Good evening. Welcome into State of the Tigers, our weekly podcast, live show, whatever you want to call it, here on powermazoo.com. Brought to you as it is every single week by James Carlton, State Farm Insurance. Before we get to our bevy of guests tonight, Drew King going to be up first talking Mizzou basketball. We want to remind you about our friend James Carlton at State Farm in Webster Groves, Missouri, carltoninsurance.net. Phone number is 314-961-4800. James's information is going to be scrolling across the bottom of the screen if you're with us on YouTube throughout the show. So you can always reference that. Highly recommend you get in touch with James. He wants to be your insurance agent like he is Drew King's insurance agent. He wants to also help you out with or help Mizzou out with its NIL efforts by becoming your insurance agent or at least giving you a quote. If you get in touch with James, he'll give you some details on how that can be done through working with him. Want to invite you comments, questions, whatever you've got throughout the night, uh, throw them up on the comment section there. This is going to be a little bit longer show because we've got three people joining me tonight. The first of whom is Drew King. Drew, this is the only podcast we'll, which will inform you that John Rothstein is not a real Twitter account and Hunter Dickinson is indeed expected to play basketball against the Missouri Tigers on Saturday. Well, I'm sorry that you had to find that out the hard way, Gabe. Um, but it's... yeah, it, it, it got me for about 15 seconds. It's gotten a lot of people for a lot longer than that. It's a well-executed fake. It's very good, and you know, like Twitter's getting a little bit better about the fakes. But it's it's nice to know that you know there's still a couple out there that are still just realistic enough. I mean, every time I see somebody going in the portal, I have to check like 12 times if it's real or not. <laughs> Because this it's is tough. the world we live in. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think for Missouri, that was a fake tweet. Um, I would feel a little bit better about this thing if Hunter Dickinson indeed was not playing on Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, he strikes me as a bit of a matchup problem for Missouri. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I'm writing my preview as we speak, and, you know, I've got my three keys to the game. Number one, you have to bottle up Hunter Dickinson. Like, he is um, their go to option on offense and, and a really good defender on the other end. Um, the one game that Kansas has lost this year, Hunter Dickinson got held to 13 points, and it was because um, Marquette's Oso Igodaro, um was was not letting him catch the ball right he was fronting him in the post he was guarding him really tight on the perimeter um just like I, I think Connor Dickinson only got three shots off in the second half and so um like that's kind of what Mizzou has to do to be in this game is, is be able to contain Hunter Dickinson as much as they can with the collection of bigs that they have yeah so if I set the over under and want to want to shout out Freeway Jared for the super chat, uh, aka Silvio D'Souza inducement payment. Hey man, a it's legal now. B, I everybody should have been doing what Kansas did the last few years, obviously. Um, but but back to the point. Um, if I set the over under on Hunter Dickinson points at twenty, you take which? Um. I mean, I would I would take the over because that's he's he's averaging over twenty points a game, but if you want a chance to win the game, like Missouri has to hit the under there. I think if I set the over under on maybe more importantly, Hunter mm -hmm. Dickinson rebounds at twenty. Which one do you <sighs> take? 
I'll take the under. I, I think that Missouri's gotten a little bit better really? on that end. Um, I but... would take you over. <laughs> 20. Like, I, a lot I, of I'm not kidding. I think I think 2020 is like the, the mark where if Missouri keeps him under that, they've got a shot. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I just think 20 is like an astronomical amount of rebounds. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Um, before we get kind of further into some of the other guys on the court and and, and this game and all that, uh, you were over uh, talking to Dennis Gates and, and Nick Honor today. Um, what did what did Dennis have to say? Whether it was about Dickinson, about anything else that stood out to you? And I say that fully knowing that Dennis doesn't tend to say a lot that necessarily stands out at these weekly press conferences. No. Um, so he did get asked about. Dickinson didn't have a whole lot to say other than like, you know, oh, he's an All-American. He's a dominant post player. He's a guy that, you know, will be attentive to, but he's not the whole team, you know. Um, but kind of my main takeaway from the press conference today was like it, it kind of I was hit with the realization that Mizzou seems like a lot more prepared for what they're heading into this year I feel like right last year with with it being Dennis Gates's first time going into the border war and and as well as like several players um I actually I, I went back and found a quote from last year from Dennis he said I think when it comes down to what this place can be on game day we'll all have to see it right like he really mm -hmm didn't have a, a great understanding of, of what that kind of atmosphere was going to be like and how much that Kansas was wanting that win. Um, and so this year, you know, Dennis knows what to expect. All the returners, you know, Nick, Sean, Noah, Aiden, they all know um, that Kansas is going to bring a, a different level of energy. Um, but then you've also got guys like Caleb Grill and Tamar Bates who, who have played at Allen Fieldhouse before, right? So they, they know what that kind of environment's going to be like. So I, I think that they're not going to get caught off guard at least this year, right? They they kind of know that, okay, we have to be on our A game to be competitive in this one. Yeah, um, and and I've, I've got some thoughts on that I'll get to in just a minute, but we've got to bring this up first. Freeway Jared says, I kind of want to see a fight. I told Drew in the pre-show meeting, if I'm Dennis Gates, I tell Caleb Grill before this game, the main thing I want out of you in this game is to get Hunter Dickinson to throw a punch. Like, I'm not even really kidding about that. Like, I, look, those are two guys that have shown a propensity for running a little hot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Hunter got a tee in their last game. We all know Caleb Grill won the Minnesota game by getting thrown out. Um, you know, so I still laugh when I say that. I can't say it with a straight face. But, um, like... I'm fine if they're in there. If they look, Connor Vanover, you got five fouls. Jordan Butler, you got five fouls. Mabor Majak, you got five fouls. Like, I'm, I'm fine with all of it. If you can get him, you know, running hot like you did, absolutely. And I, I would never, it, it is not in my nature to encourage mm -hmm. seeing a fight. But I wouldn't hate it if we saw a fight. Well, I mean, like I said, one of the big keys to the game is is to bottle Hunter Dickinson up, you know, keep his shot total low. That's one way to do it. Um, but again, like I, I'm not going to say like, yeah, we should they need to start a fight with Hunter Dickinson, though. That's no, no, no they shouldn't right. start the fight. They should right. make him start the fight. <laughs> 
sure. there's a difference here. You got to be crafty about these things. Sure. Okay. Like you don't, you don't just go up and punch him. You just, mm -hmm. you give get him under to his punch skin. you. Yeah. Just you enough. give him to punch yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I think it's a good suggestion. Freeway Jared obviously thinks it's a good suggestion. I don't expect Dennis Gates to employ this, um, to be quite honest. Uh, one other thing real quick. T-Rise wants to bet a year subscription that uh, that Dickinson is under 2020. But people people propose these bets to me. Mm -hmm. Like, what do I get out of this? What if I'm yeah. right? I get a free year? Like, I already have a free year. Yeah, Trees, Trees, let us know what you're willing to wager on this bet. Right, um, right, and then and then we can set something up. I, I I appreciate not only the super chats, but they they are coming with uh, stipulations. Andrew giving us some money for the Caleb Grill Medical Bill Fund uh, after that fight. So uh, there you go, uh, Andrew. Appreciate it. But no, I want to get back to what you were talking about. Um, them kind of knowing what the atmosphere is and all that. And I I do think I mean I remember saying last year that. I wasn't sure that even Dennis Gates and, and Charlton Young and those guys knew exactly what they were getting into mm -hmm. in that game. Because, look, I'd, I'd seen a lot of MUKU games, and I knew there had been 10 years of buildup for this. And I kind of, you know, it, I, I don't think, honestly, they were quite ready for it. Um, now, I think part of that was also they, their talent wasn't there. But KU had some guys that had played in some games like that, and Missouri didn't. Now, I agree they'll be more prepared for it. I, I'm not sure they can be completely prepared for it. And and you're talking about Grill and, and Tamar have played in Allen, and I get that. But Indiana in Allen Fieldhouse is not Mizzou in Allen Fieldhouse. Iowa State in Allen Fieldhouse is not Mizzou in Allen Fieldhouse. And and I've here is my biggest um hesitation on this game in Lawrence. No matter what Bill Self says, no matter what Kansas fans say, this one is different for them. Like, they are not going to get half-speed Kansas. They are not going to get dick around with Eastern Illinois, Kansas. They are going to get Kansas ready for a game where Kansas wants it. Like, I have seen a ton of Mizzou-Kansas games in Allen Fieldhouse. And outside of the first half in 2012, I'm not sure I've ever seen them play poorly. And I don't even know if they, it, Kansas played poorly in that one. Missouri just played one of the best halves of basketball I've ever seen. My point is when, when other teams go in there, you might get them every now and then because they don't it, – it's not the level of seriousness that mm -hmm. this one is. And I just think – if Missouri's going to go in there and shock everybody, like they're going to do it by playing the game of their lives because I do not expect Kansas to be off. Yeah, I mean, Dewan Harris had a quote today, it just saying the quiet part out loud, we want to beat them by a lot. Yeah. That was the quote. And, like, you don't hear players say that very often, right? You'll, you'll hear them say, like, yeah, we're going to be prepared. We're going to, you know, give it our best. No, they, they want to win this game by a lot. Um, yeah. and and they're going to do whatever they can um to accomplish that but you know i think it goes back to not only hunter dickinson but for mizzou to win this game it has to be on the defensive end um you look at the past yeah. two years that they've played them you know kansas has had a hundred over 100 points over kansas 90 ran points. a layup line last year mm -hmm. I, um, I mean it, all they did it, 
they could they never turned the ball over in the backcourt. And once they got to the front court, it was just a layup line. And so that that kind of goes to my my second point, which is that for Mizzou to win this game, you have to stop Hunter Dickinson, but you also have to keep up the ball pressure that they've been playing with over these past four games. Um, that Marquette loss, not only did Hunter Dickinson not have a lot of shot attempts, but Kansas also had 18 turnovers, um, and they haven't had more than 15 in any, any other game. Um, and, and so, like, you've got Dewan Harris, who's a great passer. Kevin McCuller has been an elite passer this year. Um, but they, they're also, like, not especially good at taking care of the ball, right? They can get a little bit risky with it. And so I think that's something that for Mizzou to be in this game, that's something that they're, they're going to have to exploit. It, it, Dewan Harris is the next guy I wanted to bring up because, mm -hmm. look, he's frankly been the reason – Kansas is, I mean, two years ago in Lawrence, he all of a sudden became a great three-point shooter. Yeah. You know, and and this, he's a Columbia kid. He's the only person in this thing who really gets what this thing is. And um, he plays like it. Like he he just, you watch Dewan Harris in every other game. He don't even look like he wants to shoot. Mm -hmm. And then Missouri shows up and he's like, give it to me. I'm a 70% <laughs> three-point shooter. You know, it's it's crazy, but it that's what it takes. Like, it is going to have to take, I think, two, maybe even three guys on Missouri having, like, out-of-body efforts that we haven't seen out of them to go win this game. Yeah, and Nick Honor got asked about, you know, what it's like to go up against DeWan Harris today, and he's like, yeah, well, um, you know, he's a, he's a great passer. We're going to have to cut off his field of vision. And I'm like, well, how do you how do you do that? You know, for somebody that has yeah. such high level vision, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm not completely sure how you do that. Um, but I think it just goes back to like, and this is another thing too, Gabe. Like Kansas doesn't love taking threes; they don't take that many per game. But they've made a whole lot of them this year. I think they're shooting like above forty percent against D1 teams because they had that one game against Chaminade or, or whatever it's called. Um, but yeah, like, so they don't necessarily have to take a ton of threes because they find the open man and, and almost always knock it down. So, um, yeah. that like, it, it's a really, really tall task and they, they just give you so many different problems that, um, that's why they're, they're seven, they're eight and one right now with, with eight their one, one loss two in the country. Yeah. coming against Marquette. Like, it's just a lot of stuff that you have to give attention to. I think there's a couple things that are interesting about this. Um, the buildup to last year's game with Missouri 9-0, it being the first home game in 10 years, like, it was too much. I, I think it was mm -hmm. too much for the team to handle. There's not that buildup this year. I mean, Missouri and Kansas are playing basketball on Saturday, and like most Missouri fans aren't really talking about it, mm -hmm. you know, because it's 10 and 2 football in the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State with, with the portal going crazy and all that. So I actually think that is beneficial for Missouri. I think there's a little less of a spotlight on this one. I, and this is look, I think last year, Missouri fans. And and I don't blame them because of where Missouri was. Got their hopes up a little going into that game. Yeah. And I don't think I, I don't think the hopes are up this year. So I think Missouri actually really kind of does go into this one with really not much pressure. I, I mean, yeah. hey, if you go and they beat you by a lot, like Dewan Harris said, that's 
that's kind of what you expect or kind of what a lot of people expect. And, and Jason wants to know, and, and this kind of feeds into the no pressure, would winning this game erase beating Jackson State or losing to Jackson State? I, I'll, I'll say yes. Uh, 100% it would, yeah. Because this is, like I said before, you know, you're looking for a game that can make up for that loss. Um, and and we said, you know, going two and one in this stretch would would probably be enough. Going three and zero, oh, I wrote this in my column today. Yep. If you go three and zero oh in the next three games, like you got to consider, like Mizzou's probably a lock to make the tournament at that point, considering like the quality of opponent they just went up against in the non conference. Right. By by the way, I saw Pitt went on the road and got an ACC win somewhere last night. West Virginia. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, oh, so not an ACC win, but right. a, a Power Five win. So yeah. So that's helpful. But yeah, I agree. I, this and would same, this same would with Minnesota. Delay. Minnesota beat Nebraska at home last Nebraska. night. So that that ended up being that's going to be a Q two win for Mizzou as well. And there you go. So uh, it, it look it's it's looking up. Um, I think you go into this one, just I don't know, get us to under eight in the second half with a chance. Right. If if you do that, like you'll you'll take whatever happens after that. And by the way, I will tell you what happens after that is it becomes eight on five because I've seen games in that building. And no, I know I be- it's going to happen. I believe it. Actually, Dennis Gates said something very similar in the press conference today. He said, "I just want a chance to win the game with the last possession." Right. That's where I want our team to be in this one. Um, and I think like that's not. A completely unrealistic goal but like you said like if it's you know eight points with five minutes left it's going to be pretty pretty tough to close um i mean i mean if missouri's up eight points with five minutes left it's going to be pretty tough to close because kansas will shoot 14 free throws yeah well and, and it's just honest nick nick honor and i'm not thought, you know me i'm not a blame the reps guy no the building's different man Nick, Nick Honor talked today about how Dennis Gates has tried to, um, you know, implement some hectic environments in practice during yeah. scrimmages and stuff like that. He said, like, Dennis will, you know, Gates, coach, will ref our scrimmages and, like, he'll intentionally make some no calls. He'll intentionally get yeah. some stuff wrong just so, like, we get used to that because we know not a whole lot of whistles are going to go our way at the fog. So, um, and on top of that too, you know, I think part of the schedule building this year, they've had a taste of playing on the road, which they, they didn't really have a whole lot of, like you said, big challenges heading into the Kansas game last year, this year, they've played high major teams. They've played in hostile environments. Um, So again, I I do think they're going to be a little bit more prepared. I think there's, like you said, less pressure in this one they don't have a whole lot to lose um so yeah i, I think that it, it it could be a competitive game um which would be a pretty big step forward compared to the last two times out so we've got one question from uh kyle that i'm going to get to in a minute but i, I just want to kind of quickly um look you came into missouri kansas last year not knowing a ton about it obviously had never seen a game all that so kind of you know, obviously, everybody watching this, I've I've seen, I don't know, I've probably seen fifty games between Missouri and Kansas. These people have, have some of them have seen more. Just what was your like impression of of last year, and did it give you more of an appreciation for what this rivalry is than you had before it? 
For sure. Uh, I, I just remember I couldn't hear myself think at all, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it was it was nonstop. I remember like we were sitting in our media section probably an hour or so before the game and they opened the doors for the antlers to come in, right? And the student section filled up immediately. Um, so that was kind of my first taste of like, oh, this is this kind of means more than your typical Missouri basketball game. And I, I was looking at can Kansas's attendance numbers because I remember last year it was a sellout, you know, 15,000 people and Allen Fieldhouse has 16,000 people, right? So like it, it's going to be a little bit louder than it was last year. So um, yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to this game because I know like it, it's just higher stakes than your typical mm -hmm. December basketball game. This is so much fun. So I know that you are you are a couple years younger than me. Mm -hmm. I am curious if you know the history of why it is honestly hilarious that Kansas is retiring Thomas Robinson's number during this game. You know, or I if saw you are familiar with Thomas Robinson. So I am I'm familiar with Thomas Robinson's NBA career more than I am his college well, career. I, well, then you are in a very small minority there. I think, because, <laughs> uh, most people are not. But um, okay, so I'm I'm just gonna tell you when when your segment here ends, I just want you to go on YouTube and find mm -hmm. Thomas Robinson, Phil Pressy, 2012, and understand that what happened in those five seconds determined a game, determined a conference champion, and determined a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Okay. You can uh, form your own opinions from there. Last thing, we got Gerard in the green room, but want to get to this from Kyle. He had asked this a while ago. Are we on Aaron Rowe watch, or is it just a gut feeling at the moment? I, I would say, like, I don't expect anything to happen immediately. Like, yeah. I, I don't think we're getting this in the next few days. But I will also say that after Drew put in his prediction, we've seen some other people put in some predictions. Um, you know, I. I I think we're all kind of thinking this is a thing that happens at some point. Just don't know exactly when. Yeah. And to, to just add to that, like I was leaning toward putting the prediction in possibly before the visit because of like how good kind of the feeling was between Aaron Rowe and Mizzou. So, um, and by all accounts, the visit went pretty well. So um, yeah, I, I I think that, like you said, it's, it's not necessarily going to be an immediate thing. There's no rush because he's a 2025 kid, but that's that's kind of the way I think it's it's leaning at the moment. For sure. So, uh, all right, Drew, appreciate it, man. We're going to uh, we're going to let you roll and plenty of stuff coming Saturday from Lawrence. We are headed over mm -hmm. there in uh, on Saturday morning. So appreciate you. We are going to uh, switch gears now and bring in Gerard Hamilton going to talk a little Mizzou football, um, a little bit of uh, transfer portal. Gerard, I think you are on mute if that icon is correct. So uh, just there you go. Now, now we're set. Um, all right. So I don't know, bowl game, all that. Like we're a long way away from that. But portal season, uh, we're three days into it. It's been – maybe a little bit quieter at least until last night than I think we thought it might be right at the jump. Yeah, I'd say so. But in a way it doesn't surprise me when I think about it. Um, 
it's a, it's a good team. They've got something to focus on, which is obviously the bowl game. If um, I was more so thinking about opt outs and transfers going out more so than coming in just so early on in December. Um, so yeah, it's been a little bit quiet. And then like, you probably said that maybe a few hours before, uh, Tori and Pride committed. It's just like, man, I don't know if it's me. I was just like, okay, I thought, thought I was tripping, but yeah, it's been a little bit quiet, but I mean, I expected to pick up, uh, definitely, you know, maybe a week next week or so things might. Start. Yeah. I'd say they're, they're going to have some visitors in. We've, we've already posted a couple of those this weekend. Got a running back coming, got a defensive tackle coming. Um, the weird thing about the transfer portal is it just like what's true right now might not be true in 12 hours when we put the chamber together. I mean, it changes so fast with these kids. Um, NIL and just visits and a lot of these kids go into the portal and tweet out 17 offers, but they really already know where they're going. Kind of like we saw with Toriano last night. Like there was no process. Toriano Pride said he was going in the portal last week. He went in the portal Monday and Wednesday night he committed to Missouri. That was, I mean, there wasn't anything that was going to change that happening. It was just a matter of when he wanted to say it. Right. I, I got a question for you. So how often, you know, do you feel like that happens to Missouri specifically where, you know, guys go into the portal and they instantly kind of know, like they put the, what did they have? Like the do not contact thing? Do not how contact. Often does that um, I wouldn't say it's super common. Um, I'd have to go back and and like there there were guys that like Tyron Hopper. I remember his name. We just kind of started hearing pretty quick when he went into the portal a couple of years ago, and it ended up happening. And now I'm not. It, it wasn't quite like Pride was, where he was a St. Louis kid, and like all you had to really do was connect the dots, and you know played high school ball with Luther and all that. Um, but I, I think I think the big time kids. I think more than half of them, if they don't know where they're going, I think they have a list of like three or four schools that they know they're they're going to go to one of them. And, and I don't think most lists are much bigger than that. So I think the, the focus for Missouri, Missouri fans, is running back in the portal. So uh, right now we know Rocket Sanders is in there. We know Trevor Etienne is in there. I finally figured out which one's Trevor and which one's Travis. Is oh my I'm real proud of myself for that. And then we know Marcus Carroll from uh, from Georgia State is visiting this weekend. So those are kind of the the three names there right now. Um, just curious, like it, if those are the three, like do you have an opinion on hey, w- which one you would like? What order you'd prioritize these guys in? Uh. I like uh, Rocket and Trevor for different reasons, um, but I probably put Trevor first. Then I'll put uh, Rocket and, and then um, third guy. You just, yeah, Carol. Um, just because he's such, he's such a such a dynamic guy out of the backfield. Also, when I was reading, I didn't realize this. I felt like he's a little bit bigger than I thought, but he's around Cody Schrader's height and kind of in his size in a way, uh, if you look at ET and stature. So, I mean, it's another guy. And then rocket was injury concerns. That's more so of the thing for me that kind of knocks him down a notch. I mean, what, what is he like? Six, two, two, 225. Like, well, he's supposed to be two fifteen. Most people have him listed around two forty this past year and think maybe that's oh, a contributing okay. factor. Now I, I wonder now, did he come out of camp like that? Or was that something? Cause you know, when you injured, 
like I'm just wondering maybe the you know injuries kind of just sitting around. I don't know how that happens, but um, yeah, I'll probably go ETN. He's a good, he's uh, someone who can catch the ball out of the backfield and, and make plays. We saw that versus Missouri this year. Um, he'll probably be the first guy. Yeah, I, I would go. I would go ATN first. I, I think I actually might put Carroll above Rocket Sanders only because his thirteen hundred yard season was this year, and we're a year removed from Rocket having that year. You know, um, but uh, now Rockets was in the SEC. Carroll's was in the Sun Belt, so obviously there's a difference. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think I think both of us walked out of that game against Florida going, "Oh man, Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson, those are some dude like." Just unbelievably impressive. And then there was a third guy uh, whose name I'm forgetting, Eugene Wilson uh, for Florida. Like, I think we all, we walked out and all three of those guys were like, dude, I would put those guys on any offense in the country. Yeah, super, super fast team. And we, we just kept – I feel like the thing I remember from the Florida game was we just kept saying, how are these guys, like, at the time, five and five, or they were five and six yeah. that night, but how are they not better considering the athletes they got? Um, you know, Florida is – really known for putting out those kind of you know track star guys so i got all these dynamic athletes and and they're not winning games it's kind of confusing but yeah they got some guys over there all right so we'll talk toriano pride for just a minute marcus aurelius wants to know i i mean i assume that's not the original marcus aurelius but uh like that like the screen name nonetheless uh what's up with the kid they got from clemson i mean Look, I look at Toriano pride and the clear expectation is you come in and you start at cornerback opposite drayden norwood Yep, it's pretty, it's pretty much it. That's straight to the point. Um, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna start. Um, who else do they got? They got they got Marcus Clark coming Marcus back. Clark. Shamar, Shamar McNeil, Deloach. Um, could go after another transfer. I wouldn't rule out yeah. taking a second corner. Right, and they also got Cameron Keys coming in, the uh, three star guy out of Florida. So yeah, they got some guys. You would you take another one? Um, I think I would. I think it depends on who it is. Yeah, or yeah, I was about to say best. If you think they can be better than Norwood, or if you think they could replace Norwood's spot as the number three guy, or know. if you have a situation where you like a guy as like a slot corner, you know, mm -hmm. um, yep. if if there's a specific type of player that fits that, or if if somebody hits the portal and, um. You know, you look at him and go, and he expresses interest, and you go, "Well, he's just too good to say no to." Um, you know, I, I wouldn't take. Uh, I I don't think they have to have a corner, but I think if the right guy's there, you take it. Definitely. I, more I think about it, just think about how clutch it's been having Drayden Norwood as that number yes. three guy, though. And this is something banged up, right? Right. And and Drink said this at SEC Media Days as far as like, basically, he's like, "I'm real confident to have." you know, Drayden Norwood. So if, you know, a KD or Ennis cannot play, I got somebody that I can just basically plug and play and then um, they can go from there. And that's what ended up happening. I think it'd be good if they had a third guy. Marcus Clark, really, he really stepped up this year. But I wonder if they want someone just, just a little bit better than him uh, that they could use in that role. Yeah, or worst case scenario, just to provide competition, right? I mean, right. hey. Bring a guy in. We got four guys we feel like can start. The two best of them are, are going to go start. I, I never think that is a bad thing. Um, it, we'll we'll kind of go in depth tomorrow morning on the rest of the portal stuff. But offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, running back. I, I mean, it's it's kind of just just line of scrimmage and just behind the line of scrimmage. That <laughs> could take could take a receiver. 
Um, don't know that they have to, but could. Uh, could take a safety if, if Joseph Charleston ends up leaving. You know, I, I'm kind of of the opinion, like, Jalen Carlisle, I just, I just expect him to go. I don't really know that, but that's just my opinion at this point. Yeah, I just – it feels like he has to leave before, in a way, it kind of turns into like it's not too late because, you know, these guys are young. But I don't know. Sometimes there's something to be had about having that potential. And then you go into the NFL and they feel like, all right, this is what we can work on. Um, right. You know, if you're too, you're too far in, they may feel like, ah, I don't know if this player, if we can, you know, figure some stuff out. Because everybody always looks at an extra year and says, well, he can come back and improve on this and improve on this. And while that's true. Every game also gives NFL scouts one more game to kind of pick you apart and find find things they don't love. Yeah, I think um, when you think about a season, I think I think it got better as the season went on, though. But it wasn't. It's it felt like last year's in a way like it. it ah, I don't know. Two years ago, it seemed like it was it was much better. Yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Um, uh, Ross is asking about Courtney Crutchfield. He's a, a Pine Bluff, Arkansas receiver. Uh, put a note on the message board today. We expect him to to uh, get an in-home visit from Missouri in the next few days to take a uh, an official visit to Missouri before signing day. So I, I, I don't know if that means he's signing with Missouri, uh, but Missouri very much is still in it. Okay. Uh, all right. I was about to hit this question, and I'm going to go ahead and put it up. But I just read it, and like, I I'm just I just want you to read it, and get your reaction. You can see that on the screen, right? Okay. Question. Uh, let's say we beat Ohio State, but next couple of years we go sub 500. Will Coach Drink be on the hot seat? Wow. I mean, he just won this Coach is, of the Year. They're, they're ten and two. He's the SEC Coach of the Year. They're going to the Cotton Bowl to play Ohio State. Why are we thinking about when he might be on the hot seat? I, I don't know. That's self-sabotage. That's a psalm. That's that's I'm toxic. I'm telling thing. you, don't don't ever look up because the light at the end of the tunnel might be an oncoming train. Like it's a bad way to go through life, man. Oh man, maybe maybe he was he wasn't high on drink and he's like, I got to be right, so I'm gonna spend the black. Sam, Sam, I'm not trying to pick on you, man, but I really I was about to ask. I just saw it started. Let's say we beat Ohio State, and I was about to hit add, and I read it. I, I don't know, man. I mean, yes, every coach in college football is a year away from being on the hot seat. Almost. Right. I mean, Kirby Smart's not, Nick Saban's not. But, like, Ryan Day is 50-7. and seven, And if he doesn't beat Michigan next year, he might get fired. Like, that's where we're at in college football, man. Uh, read a story. Speaking of Ohio State, I want to get your reaction to this one, too. Read a story from our Ohio State site, uh, Dotting the I's. They do a good job up there. Talk to Marvin Harrison today. Marvin Harrison has – not ruled out returning for next year. What say you? Cap. <laughs> I mean, yeah. money talks. Money talks. So he's been projected to be the lowest I've seen actually today was third overall. For a lot of time, I've seen him either first or second overall. So yeah. you're talking about being a top three pick, and your, your reason for not going to the draft is because you want to beat Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Like, it sounds good. That's that's good for the fan base. To hear, but that, that's the thing you say for the fans. Yeah, but that's not. I, I don't know. Also, your dad being a Hall of Fame receiver, you think he's going to say, you know what? 
go back to school. He's going to say, nah, you got to cash in right now. If Marvin Harrison plays for Ohio State next year, someone should commit him to an asylum. It is an <laughs> absolutely I, – I'll go a step further. If Marvin Harrison plays against Missouri in the Cotton Bowl, someone should check his faculties. He shouldn't play in the Cotton Bowl. But when I first read the comment, I was thinking, oh, okay, well – He's saying this, like, I don't know, is he going to play? But I was thinking, well, this is kind of separate from this. If he wants to play in the Cotton Bowl, I would actually appreciate it because guys don't do that no it'd more. It'd be fun to see him. Yeah, yeah it'd, it'd be cool to see. Um, but he shouldn't play. Also, I think this is one of those things, like, um, I was watching something about John Calipari last year and having Dewan Wagner, and he had him his freshman year or whatever, and he was like, I'm trying to come back or something. He was like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> he forced well, him to leave. That actually happened with Jeremy Macklin here after Jeremy's redshirt sophomore year. Like he was really torn. He really kind of wanted to come back. And Gary Pinkle told him, you can't, man. You just right. can't. Chase Daniels gone. It's going to be different. You've got to go. You've, you're a first round pick. You've got to go be a first round pick. And, yeah, and, and you know, so that's what will happen. Um, let's, let's get to some of these guys questions. Cause I still got a, a, an interview with Clint Cosgrove that I recorded, and I don't want to keep everybody here for two hours tonight. Some of you might enjoy it. Gerard wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. Um, Jason wants to know, do you expect any more names from Mizzou to enter the portal, um, or is it closed after the bowl game? So it remains open until January 2nd. Second? Wait, second or there seven? Will... Second. Two. Okay. Right. Yeah. There will be more guys enter the portal. Um I don't know if it will happen before the bowl game or after the bowl game, but more guys from Missouri, they have to enter the portal. If Missouri's going to add all the guys that they're talking about adding, Got to clear Missouri, space. like five or six more guys have to go. All right. Um, and we've been saying this for a couple of weeks. You just think about the roster and some of the guys who haven't really seen the field in the past year or two, uh, you can kind of make some assumptions of, players who possibly may it would make sense yeah, uh, yeah um doesn't that doesn't mean they will but you can understand guys want to play so and and you can't rule out guys that have played some go ahead and enter the transfer mm -hmm. portal maybe they're looking for a different scenario look i'll tell you this here's what's going on across the country the, these couple weeks dudes are going to their coaches and saying all right i need a better nil deal than i had last year and some of them are getting them, some of them aren't. The guys that aren't are probably entering the portal. Even some of the guys that are, they get that new NIL offer. You know what they're doing? Their agents stuff are making calls going, all right, here's what I got to stay. What can you do for me? It's 100% happening. Like, you can pretend it's not happening. Maybe we're not supposed to talk about it happening. But it's absolutely happening with guys on every roster. Is that the uh, – that's probably what's happening with DJ Uwell. Ungalale is that the Oregon State? That's what Oregon State got who jumped into the portal, and that was that was kind of mind-boggling to me. I mean, maybe because Oregon State is going to be in the Mountain West for a year or two or whatever that pack right. is. But I was just thinking, like you, you got a good deal going on up there, and he's only been there a year, and he's out. Yeah, right. And and who knows? He may go back, but by putting his name in the portal, he can go get offers, and he can come back to Oregon State and say, "All right, well, they said five hundred grand. What do you got? You know." Um, it, like the, the running back at Boise, um, I'm forgetting his name, but top five running back in the country. And like I've been hearing his name rumored, maybe entering the portal for a month now. And then he put out a statement that said, hey, I'm back for another year at Boise. Well, you don't got to be a genius to figure out why that is. And, and a reporter from Boise put out, he said he, 
reports already got 300 grand and, and good for him. But like, that is the process guys. Most people aren't going to say it out loud, but that's what's going on here. And that's why you can't guarantee that anybody like, look, I'm pretty sure Brady cook is staying at Missouri. Right. You yeah, know, so did. there are some people, but yeah. like, who knows, man? And I'm not going to put a name on it because I, I feel like that'd be a disservice because I, I don't know a name. I'm just saying, just pick a guy that's in the starting lineup. And I promise offers are being made to him. You know, but there are other schools trying to say, hey, we think we can do. And and look, Missouri's doing the same thing with people at other schools. This is what this process is in these two or three weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a messy uh, a messy it's, thing, but I think it's, it's it's free agency when they aren't really free agent. It's like that didn't wasn't it the NBA that put in like a three day tampering period or something a couple years yeah, ago? Yeah, there's a there's a I don't know. It's a few days of tampering, which is really the start of free agency. You just right. just, start for, they, just call it what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also seen this, and I don't know if this is uh, nationwide or region wide, but uh, I know some guys who cover preps in Oklahoma and they basically they have some type of transfer thing and then in Tennessee where I was working doing preps I see they're trying to vote on having a like a one free transfer rule and it's just like wow it's crazy free agency then got all the way down to high school it's it, it's nuts man uh Zachary saying look for the cornerback from K-State his name's Will Lee he committed someone okay. I, I don't know where it is I saw it on Twitter yesterday I I don't I mean he was on Missouri's radar, but I don't they, they, they were pretty confident. I think they were getting Toriano pride. And so I, I don't think that reached that point. Uh, Matt Nussbaum's asking, are there any in-state kids we're looking at flipping? Aeneas Williams, McClellan, even Wingo. Look, I'll, I'll just say this now, guys. Missouri's not really recruiting right now. They've moved on. They're they're done with that situation. Uh Jeremiah McClellan, I know he is liking troll tweets on Twitter. He he he's very very unlikely. Uh, Aeneas Williams, I haven't heard anything to indicate that. I mean, yes, Missouri would love that. I'm sure if Aeneas Williams said, "Yeah, I'm, I'll take a visit," they would absolutely take him. But I don't know that that's realistic. But but the main th point there is move on from the Ryan Wingo stuff. Uh, your best chance to get Ryan Wingo's in a year or two if it doesn't work out in Austin for him. To be quite honest. Uh, can the players that transfer actually play for their new team in this year's bowl game? Uh, no, no. I, no. And even I, if I they could, that'd be dangerous. You're putting a kid who doesn't really know, unless it's something like, unless it's unless it's something like you know maybe kicker, punter, something where you don't have to right. think too much. You'd be putting that kid at a disadvantage to try to and, learn plays and lots. and no coach like. Can you imagine the yeah. revolt in that locker room oh, yeah. if Eli play this guy? went to Marcus Clark and said, sorry, you're out. We're playing Toriano Pride. No chance. Marcus Clark got this team here. Toriano Pride did not. Um, even if he even if it was to Toriano Pride. Yeah, even if it wasn't a player playing, uh, just think about you can be the the you can be the eighth guy at your position on the depth chart. But if you've been here from you know the get-go from at least uh fall camp and then somebody they they just got in the portal they can just put on a jersey i think you'd be pretty upset to see that yeah here's here's a good one for you do you all actually read portal graphics or just skip to the with that being said dude i don't <laughs> even read that part like i legitimately don't even read that part i just see a graphic i'm like oh he's in the portal yeah uh, 
I'm not gonna lie to you, Jared. Uh, the with that being said, yeah, because who was it? Um, when EJ, I, played, I, I guess every now and then they could say, with yeah. that being said, I'm coming back for another year, or I'm declaring for the NFL draft. It's doing way too much. When I when I see it, I skip to the bottom because like even EJ, when EJ put out his uh thing, I didn't notice the middle part about the, the little snipe right. at drink. I just was like, oh, okay, he's gone into the portal. So they all say something that seems like, what do I say? Oh, this is what I type up. Oh, okay, and they just kind of copy and paste it. it. It's like they come from a template. I I'll, I'll go a step further. I don't think I've ever watched a full commitment video. I just fast forward to the last like 30 seconds and find out where they're committing. The video they put on, on social media, I'm not trying to watch that. I don't care. It depends. Uh, uh, it depends how, how long. If it's a, like a few seconds, it's a little graphic, and it's, uh, I'll do that. If it's more like not something where they're pulling out a shirt, but maybe it's just like some type of video, like animation, that may be cool. But, yeah, if it's I'm pulling out the shirts and the hats, yeah, I'm going to skip. I, I, if it's under a minute, I'll watch it. If it's over a minute, I'm going to the last 30 seconds. That That's the cutoff. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, when will Drink get a legit quarterback recruit of his own? I mean, we don't know that Sam Horn's not legit. We know he's not Brady Cook, but that doesn't mean he's not the starter in 2025. It's true. Um, and then I forgot who I was talking Jamari about. Johnson? As, yeah, I was about to say um, – you're talking about his little uh, his flash in, in that scrimmage at, at the end of fall camp. There's obviously some stuff to work on, but they seem like, oh, okay, he's got something that, you know, maybe we didn't know about. So we don't know yet if they if they got a quarterback yet. And we're not going to find out until Brady's gone or, you know, something else happens. Or, right. Or, or until they're forced to. What's Jake Garcia going to do? I mean, look, I don't mm-hmm. think he's graduating. I don't think he has much choice what he can do. Exactly. I think he's here unless, you know, we get some sort of waiver or something like this. So uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping this up, but we do have a lot of, we have got a couple hundred people on here and we want to get to most of your questions. Um, Marcus Aurelio says, I like drinkings and X's and O's guy. Plus he's easily the best recruiter Mizzou's had in a long time. I figure we will step back a bit next year, but as long as the recruiting keeps up, the wins will come. So I want to focus on that step back a bit next year. I actually disagree. I think Missouri should, and I think this is what they're doing. The next three weeks are focused on fill the few holes we think we have because we got a lot coming back on offense, and the goal should be the 12-team playoff next year. I'm I'm not saying it's a bad year if they don't get there, but I I think with a third-year starting quarterback coming back, with I think – a guy who might be preseason SEC player of the year, potential on some dark horse Heisman lists in Luther Burden. You got some offensive linemen coming back. I I think next year's a go for it year, not a step back year. I think it's I feel the same, but when I think when I read this and I stay uh when I see step back, first thing I think is like like eight and four or nine and three step back. Like I didn't think immediately of the playoff, right. but yeah, they should be trying to go to the playoff it can't be you know back to the 500s or to even seven wins i don't really i got to see the schedule um also want to see you know how they line up against other teams but yeah you should definitely be trying to go forward and plug in the holes and but i feel like a question like this we got to give me into like the the spring or summer with something like this so i can see who they plug and play in those uh, positions yeah because we don't know what anybody's roster looks like right i mean so 
it, you know, three days ago, I woke up thinking Kyle McCord was going to be the quarterback against Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. That's and crazy. That's not happened. Yeah. So um, let's see uh, if we've got anything else. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think we've covered the vast majority of it, honestly. So um, I don't know. I do know that I, I checked today about, you know, possible availability, open practices before the team leaves for Dallas. That is in the plans. We don't know exactly when. So we're hoping we'll have some of that for you guys. Um, Gerard had a kind of a look back at at the, the most influential moments of the season today. I think later this week uh, you're going to have something kind of looking at that big storylines coming up in December before the bowl game. And, hey, every day we just wake up and get on Twitter and find out who's transferring now. That is, it's such a weird period of time because I'm so, we've been locked into a schedule since pretty much media days. So now we just kind of wait for something to happen. And that's when we right. do work. For it's almost like you wake up every day and go, okay, there's nothing planned that I'm going to write today, but I know I'm going to end up writing something today. Exactly. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, the storylines thing, um, next couple of days, uh, see what the schedule looks like. But yeah, uh, just, well, we got portal recruiting. There's a lot. Drink said there was a lot of stuff that goes on in, in December. So now he's maybe he maybe dodged a bullet. Maybe as far as you know, uh, possibly is this you know coaching assistants. Some of the jobs are starting to fill up. Uh, yeah, let's finish with that. It kind of seems to me at this point that both coordinators are probably going to be back. All right, All right. Um, I mean, I don't see a situation out there really that that I think is a threat. All right, and I mean. If that LSU DC spot is that, I haven't heard about it, but yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Honestly, I'm not even sure the guy's actually been fired. Right. I'm just saying, do you still even think like that's, uh, I mean, I would at least pay attention to it if it does happen, but like, I, I don't know, sitting here today, I kind of think they're both back. Yeah. And you probably bring back a good majority of those position coaches when you think, yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, you never know, right? Especially that stuff usually happens like after the national championship game, maybe after late yeah. signing day. Um, so look, it's not impossible that that somebody gets an opportunity and leaves. But um, I, I think the the big three being Drinkwitz, Moore, and Baker, like right now, I feel pretty good that that they're going to be running the show again next year. So, uh, all right, man, appreciate you hanging out. We're gonna gonna let you go because uh, earlier today I recorded an interview with. Clint Cosgrove, and they like him way more than they like you or me. So I'm gonna let people watch it. That's I mean, cool. no, I, I think I like Clint more than I like. <laughs> no, Clint, Clint be dropping, he be dropping some gems. So yeah, y'all go check that out. All right, Gerard, have a good one, man. We'll talk to you. All right, so uh, real quick before before we do get to the interview with Clint Cosgrove, I want to remind you guys one more time. This is State of the Tigers, brought to you by James Carlton State Farm Insurance, CarltonInsurance.net. On the phone at 314-961-4800. You call James's office during business hours. You're going to get a human being. It may not always be James because he seems to spend a lot of his time on the radio with me in St. Louis uh, during business hours. But somebody's going to be in his office. They just want to give you a quote. They give him a call. Give him a shot to be your insurance agent. He's going to talk to you about that, get you the best deal we can. He's also then going to uh, maybe be able to hook up a little Mizzou NIL deal if you give him a call. So, uh, like I said... 
recorded an interview with uh, Clint Cosgrove earlier today. He is for another 24 hours or so rivals.com's Midwest analyst. Um, wanted to get something done with Clint. Um, had really gotten to know him well this year. Worked with him a lot. I know you guys really like him. He did the Williams Winery future cast was the first one there. He had a lot of great information on Ryan Wingo and Jeremiah McClellan throughout the process. So uh, recorded a conversation with Clint earlier today. So like, if you ask questions, this is not live. He's not going to answer them. I'm not going to answer them, uh, but just uh, watch it, listen to it. However, you're taking this in, enjoy it. So here's uh, here's about 25, 30 minutes with Clint uh, earlier today. Then I'll come back and wrap it up. All right. So the guy on the other side of your screen is the most requested podcast guest we have. And I think the only person who's ever actually asked to be on this podcast, everybody else we have to say, Hey man, will you do a podcast? Clint's just out here tweeting and being like, Hey, I probably should do a podcast. So, uh, that is Clint Cosgrove. Um, wanted to make sure to get him on this week as, uh, we don't know what the opportunity to do that will be going forward. What's up, Clint? How you doing, man? I'm fired up to be here, man. Uh, yeah, I was tweeting. I was I was begging. I didn't just want to be on it. Like, this was a destination for me, Gabe. So I'm excited to yeah. be here and talk everything Missouri life and uh, everything Power Mizzou, man. Yeah, this this particular podcast is sponsored by James Carlton State Farm Insurance. But like, if you want to Venmo us extra money for being a guest, Clint, feel free, man. We take all what donations, if- all sponsorships. I'm going to start a new, that will be my next job. I'm going to pay to be on podcasts moving forward and uh, maybe something will break. Maybe I'll get my own sponsorship someday, but uh, shout out to State Farm and James Carlton. Yeah. Paying to be on a podcast seems like a terrible business plan to be quite honest. So, um, all right. So look, first things first here, the kind of the, uh, the recent news for Mizzou fans, Toriano pride, St. Louis kid coming back from Clemson. Um, Tell the Missouri fans kind of what you thought of, of Toriano coming out of high school a couple of years ago and, and what kind of player you think he has a chance to be. It, it didn't really, I mean, he played at Clemson, but, but the playing time wasn't really there to, to, I think, show everything he hoped to be able to. Yeah. Uh, Toriano's a dog. I mean, and you want to talk about a good player. Part of what makes him special is he has every gift of a big time defensive back. He's got the size, the length, the twitch, uh, fluid hips, instinctive, bright as all get out, sees the field. So he's got every physical skill set, every mental skill set, but his personality and his leadership and the way kids are drawn to him, I think is a big thing as well. And you talk about him playing early or not playing as much as, you know, you might've thought, well, he came in and he played like right out the gate. Um, and I don't want to get into any speculation and stuff, but I don't know if him and the defensive backs coach down there had the greatest relationship in the world. And I think that might have led to a little less playing time and a little less dominance than we might have expected. Because when we saw him early on, like that kid stepped on as a true freshman and was making plays. And so what you're getting is a college ready playing in the ACC, but he was playing at Clemson, you know, SEC ready attitude ready you know mentally prepared physically gifted kid who can step in and when you're losing some high caliber players in the secondary it's not often you can say you know what we got he's pretty good coming in and and yeah maybe a drop off at some time but Tori is as high as it gets and if it all works out and stays healthy and you know uh you know gets in his group because when he gets hot he's hot um you know they got he's got a chance to be very good in, in Missouri 
picked up a big one. Um, and we had a feeling this might come for a while now, Gabe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I want to ask you about. And, and look, you're about to be in a position where, I don't know, you can say whatever you want, probably not get in trouble for it, right? But uh, the 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 transfer portal is so interesting because, like, I mean, Toriano enters it with a do not contact tag. <laughs> it, it, look, he, however it happens, he knew where he was going. You see that all the time. Uh, there was a There's a, a kid that hit the portal from Florida this morning. He's getting a bunch of offers, but everybody thinks this is a foregone conclusion. He's going to Oklahoma. So kind of explain how this uh, portal stuff before they're actually in the portal tends to work uh, from, from your knowledge of it. Yeah, um, kind of like, I guess, NIL works. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not being offered, but it's being offered. There's a lot of back channels here. Um, you know, before you, because I'll have kids who reach out to me and they're like, yo, I'm about to hit the portal. What can we start? And I'm like, when I was with Rivals through tomorrow, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, I can't touch that, dude. I was like, I don't want to start trouble with tampering. I'm not getting involved in that. But there are people who can get involved. There are people who don't have to follow a certain set of rules. And there's also high school coaches. Um, Toriano has a great relationship with his high school coaches, great relationship with Carl Reed, people who have coached him throughout his career because he played for Reed at one point as well. And so uh, before he ended up at East St. Louis. And so um, these college coaches are talking to, you know, coaches all the time. And so if I want to go into the transfer portal and I'm a name guy, I'm a money guy. Some of these kids have agents so they can reach out to them and they'll start floating them around. Um, but they can also reach out to their coaches because right now coaches are on the road. Coaches are doing in-home visits. I can tell my buddy, you know, when I was in St. Louis, I was talking with kids and Toriano as a transfer came up among other names. And we had talked about that, Gabe. We kind of saw this coming. Um, but, you know, if I'm committed to Ohio State and my buddy's saying, yo, he's about to hit the portal or Toriano has friends, right. Luther Burton <laughs> at Missouri being like, yo, let's line something up. Luther can talk to his friend. So there's a lot of back channels and a lot of ways around it. Right. That's the thing. None of this is technically like you can't tell a kid, no, don't talk to your friend. And then, hey, your friend just happens to know a college coach or play for a college coach. Like that's not technically illegal. And literally, Clint, I tell her, there's not a program in the country that doesn't do these things. It, it, no. It, and if it's like you don't you don't sue somebody because as soon as you sue somebody, they get to go through your closet in court, right? Like nobody's turning anybody in for tampering because they're all doing it. Correct. And if they're not doing it, they're on the hot seat and their program mm -hmm. is becoming less relevant. I mean, all of a sudden, Dabo's taking transfer kids. He was never going to do that before. Right. You know, you, you can say, you can stand by your principles. I mean, Gundy at Oklahoma State trashed NIL to their booster club going into the season, you know, after the season, midway through the season, I think he kind of saw the light because they get him in an interview and they start the question like, should we build, should we be putting money towards facilities? And he stops the, he stops the girl who's asking the question and says, let me just finish the question for you. Don't put the money into the facilities, put it in the NIL. Kids used to care about flashy things. They care about NIL now. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, before I got on that tangent, where we were going. But uh, there's there's just 
what were we? What were we transfer portal still? We, it, we, yeah, we were initially talking about tampering and, and things oh, tampering. like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. And I said all along, the whole reason you're getting anonymous comments about the whole Michigan sign st- stealing thing is because nobody wants their dirty uh laundry aired, right? And as right. soon as you open that can of worms, that can of worms is open on you and you become a target. And even if you try to be the cleanest of the clean, you're going to accidentally do something because there are so many rules. There's so many rules that people don't even know about, you know, so everybody's got something. Even the, even the Pope's got something on him when it comes to college football recruiting. And, um, you know, I, I think that is why you, you don't, or you very rarely see it, see somebody call somebody out for tampering. And if they do, it's probably a knee jerk reaction that they end up regretting. Right. So, so you mentioned, you know, this is, this one's been kind of rumored for a little while and uh, we've talked before. And for those people who might be watching, who don't know, you know, uh, one of the reasons Missouri has sometimes had trouble keeping all these St. Louis kids at home and playing together is because of Clint's dad, um, spent a lot of time recruiting that city and getting some of them to go to places like Wisconsin and Nebraska and others. Um, But like you've told me, this is something you and your dad used to talk about. Like, Hey, if Missouri could ever actually get most of these kids, and I don't think you're ever going to get all of them. That's unrealistic, but, but get a lot of these kids to stay home. It's, it, it could really turn a corner for the program. I, so where I want to start with this is, is Luther Burden that kid who, like Missouri fans have been waiting for forever? Like Jeremy Macklin came here and was great, but didn't quite have this everybody in St. Louis wants to come effect. It, Luther was the kid that I, I remember covering one of his high school games, and even the other players were kind of in awe of him. And now he's come to Missouri and he's fulfilled that, like he's what everybody thought he was going to be. So is that is that the impetus for uh, okay doors are open here the luther burden effect is real like luther burden is different and he's a different type of player with a different type of mindset with a different type of respect people respect luther burden and he goes about his business the right way and he's very calculated and he's got a vision and he's got a goal and there is nothing absolutely nothing that will stop luther gold <laughs> golden luther burden from achieving his plan his goal and so i remember the first time that i met luther as a freshman in high school back when i was scouting i'd go to the high schools i sit down with brandon gregory and i was like i heard there's a pretty good freshman here he's like yeah he kind of thinks he's a hooper right now um but he's like clint and like he got passionate when talking about it. He's like, this kid is different. He's like, it's in his eyes. You see it in him. When the ball is in his hands, things happen. People are better because of him. And he rocks him in. And Luther is this skinny, tall, kind of quiet, extremely respectful, nice kid. And I was like, so this is him. And I trust Brandon Gregory. He's like, Clint, I'm telling you. This is him. And I was like, okay. And so we start watching film. We start talking about him. I start kind of evaluating him. And I was like, based off what and how passionate Coach Gregory was talking about it, 
mm-hmm. when he was a Cardinal Ritter. You know, Gregory's over at East St. Louis now. Um, I I had a very good feeling at a very young age. And then you hear the background of him being, you know, he was invited to USA basketball tryouts. And okay. uh, yeah, so he's there with all these five-star, four-star NBA, six, eight kids, you know, and you got five, 11, six-foot Luther Burden at the time. Like he held his own, but I think he looked around and he's like, these guys are different and he could compete with them. But, you know, when you're talking NBA and long-term, I think he finally realized, you know, the football field's where it's at for me. Yeah. And and every time he touched the ball, and there's a reason he's touched down Luther is because when he touches the ball, he's literally running for his life, running for his dream, running for everybody in his community. I swear to God. I think he takes all of that weight on his shoulders. And that's why he has so much respect from the area. So a lot of these guys come in, they have the high expectations, number one player, and they kind of fold under it. And especially if things don't go as smooth as, like he had a good freshman year, but he wasn't the dude right away. Right. You know, love it was, and, and so I think he's maybe struggled with that at times. I don't know that, you know, I've heard that. But then when given the opportunity to be the man, and then all of a sudden you start riding that success at Missouri, then eyes are on Missouri. And then eyes are seeing what the guy that they grew up knowing was the future to them. Knowing was the guy who these are, he's a kid who everybody has always wanted to follow. And so now with Missouri having the success with them having the NIL means with Luther being that dude, literally living up to the hype. Very few do that, especially guys who have so much on their plates. And I think that other people have looked at it and said, Luther decided, he, he, he said, screw everything else. That's where I'm going. Luther decided, and when he made that decision, and it worked out, and Missouri football started playing, and everybody else around him was better, I think kids started saying, like, this is where I can see myself now. And that was never the case. That was never. Missouri get one or two, I've always said never. I've always said very simply, the reason Missouri has struggled in state is that it has not been viewed as cool to go to Missouri. Like, I, I, I don't know a simpler way to put it. That's just, that's the way it's been. It was, you went there because you, you didn't have the big time offer before, you know? Mm. And like, even if you're going to an Oklahoma state or something, it was, at least you're not going to Missouri. And, it's a more different. And you, yeah. Exactly. And so, like, and when you talk about me and my dad, and he recruited for a long time. I mean, didn't Jeff George go to Missouri at some point? No, Jeff George went to Illinois. Well, my dad recruited him to Illinois, but did he start out at Missouri? Not to my knowledge, but you're way before okay. my time. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, Terrell Fletcher, Jamar Fletcher, uh, you know, uh, geez. The first round defense line, I mean, these are Thorpe Award winners, first round draft picks. And they were going to Wisconsin. They were going to Illinois when my dad was Illinois. They were going to Nebraska. And, you know, my dad was, when Pinkle got the job, they obviously made a phenomenal choice, but my dad was a finalist for the job at that time. And it was because of his ability. And they thought the same thing. You know, if we can keep the hometown home, we're going to win. If we would have just keep, kept the guys that my dad took to Wisconsin home, they they would have had a chance. And so I finally think that it is no longer I'm going to Missouri because I don't have a big program to go to. I think, and I think Toriano is a great example, leaving Clemson to go to Missouri, that's unheard of a few years ago. 
And that started with Luther. And I feel like this is going to have a tsunami effect. All right. So look, I already know what the response is going to be from people watching this. So if all that's true, they're not getting Ryan Wingo. They're not getting Jeremiah McClellan. Why? Why 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 is 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 that a delayed effect you're talking about? Because look, Luther's been here two years. He's only got one more year. So I and I'm playing devil's advocate here because I know what people are going to say when they hear this. But he's talking about all this, but why didn't we see it happen this year? I think we did to a certain extent. A guy's like a guy like Williams Winary doesn't stay back if there isn't the success and the NIL stuff in play. And that's another reason why you're gonna see some of these guys go elsewhere. Wingo, um, I think Wingo wants to be in Missouri, to be honest. I'm not so sure it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. At least not this year. Yeah. I could see him ending up in Missouri uh, eventually. But there's other things at play there. Um, And uh, he ended up at Texas. And they wouldn't have even been in the running if it weren't for the success, Luther Burden, and the NIL. So I think the fact that they were even the school he was going to up until 36 hours before, maybe, I think that says a lot. Missouri's not even in the conversation in the past. Jeremiah McClellan's a different thing. You know, I think part of Jeremiah's deal at first was, I can go to Ohio State, where every single receiver goes to the NFL. I know I'm going to get developed. I don't want to stay right down the street. I think being too close to home is a big thing for him. And then other opportunities are, you know, are, are, are good opportunities. And so, right. Right. Um, same thing with Jeremiah. He wouldn't even consider Missouri if what is going on right now wasn't there. So you're not going to just overnight flip something that has gone on for two, three decades, my entire life, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it is turning. There is like, it's cool to stay home now. You know, you see Luther Burden doing his pizza ads. You see Luther Burden chips. Like, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? I was at that game, Gabe, like Missouri games have never been cool like that in the past. Like it's different now. Missouri walks in and like coach drink talking S H I T like, <laughs> That's freaking awesome. There's a swagger. I I understand you have an infant. You're used to spelling things. Say the word on this podcast. We don't. He's talking shit. I mean, he was on. (laughs) He's on that show the other day, and they're talking about playing Ohio State, and he's like, he picks up the phone. He's like, Connor Stallions, hold up. You know, I got to call Connor Stallions, and I'm like, he's out there roasting fools, and I was like, that is a swagger that Missouri hasn't had. And you have to have that swagger. And it's a coach, it's it's a swagger that Coach Drink hasn't necessarily had, you know? Right. Well, he he's he didn't have the wins to back and now he's he's got some wins too. So so all right, big picture, like and look, there there's there could be more to come in this portal season. We don't know. Like there are names that float out there, but some of them aren't even in the portal, may never go in the portal. So, so we're not sure what's going to happen, but they've gone 10 and two. They're playing in the Cotton Bowl, actually favored over Ohio State at this point. We're talking about pride coming back, all these things. From, from somebody who's seen, who's, you know, watched Missouri football or paid attention from a distance for a long time, like, 
what does he have to do to because like i said luther's got one more year left brady cook's got one more year and then they got to go find a quarterback um or it, whether that guy's on their roster or not but point being to make this payoff to make this not a one or two year quick little flash in the pan what do they have to do i'll tell you this right now gabe they overachieved this year when i was on that field pre-game I looked at the roster and keep in mind my one, you know, year long experience in SEC was when my dad was at LSU in 2019. Mm -hmm. And when I got down there and I was scouting at the time and I <laughs> well, well, so so you thought the greatest team potentially in college football history. So comparing them to literally anyone is not fair. It is not. But this is in spring ball before the season started when my dad literally <laughs> goes, yo, Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman. I'm like, Joe Burrow, like, couldn't hit the side of a barn last year. And he's like, dude, you have no idea. But these guys walk on the field the first time, and I'm looking at them in awe. I was like, these guys look different. And then I went to a lot of games that year. You know, I was at Alabama on the sidelines for Florida LSU, like these big games. And those teams look different. When I got on that Missouri sideline, they look good. And they look mm -hmm. good in certain spots but they didn't look like those teams. And so for them to achieve what they've achieved thus far is because of, I'm going to say it, great coaching, great development, great schematics. So they've overachieved right now. Now the hard thing, and I said this to Illinois fans last year, Brett Bielema won a year too early. <laughs> he overachieved. He was ahead of schedule. So anything less than better than what they did the last year when they lost like three first round draft picks, you know, was going to be a failure. So, I don't think you expect 10 and 2, 12 and 0 right away. But what you're going to see is as this talent catches up to this, the program that they have built, that they have developed, like Brady Cook wasn't Brady Cook until this year. Luther Burden was good. You know, Mookie Cooper was Mookie Cook, you know, but like, so they had, uh, you know, big players coming from the, the portal. They have played incredibly well, technically sound, well-coached. Kirby Moore is a magician. He is a freaking good offensive coordinator. Uh, the defensive coordinator, what's his name? Uh, why Blake am I Baker. going blind? Yeah. Blake Baker, phenomenal coach. That dude's got juice. And I think there was the perfect kind of setup where Kirby's in calling the plays. So Drink has that off his plate. Blake's a guy who he trusts, you know, lets him do his own thing, doesn't micromanage. And Drink was able to be the head coach, the visionary, and do all the things he needed to do as a head coach, and all the pieces came together. So I do not think this is a flash in the pan. Will you have a year where it's maybe not nine or better? Yeah, it's going to happen. It's the SEC. Alabama and LSU have that happen. But what I think this is is the beginning of something special. Because the talent's only getting better. The talent's only getting better. Now, you got to retain players. People have to stay healthy. The ball has to bounce your way. But once the ball starts bouncing your way, it seems to bounce your way a little more often. And that is what I see for Missouri football going forward. I think this is the start of something special. The big thing is keep the Missouri kids home. At least be in the conversation. Because if you're not in the conversation, other big-time kids from the area aren't going to want to be in the conversation either. If Jeremiah McClellan, Ryan Wingo aren't considering Missouri, the other kids are like, well, why would I consider Missouri if the best aren't, you know? But now they are. 
So I think they're going to start winning those in-state battles. They have a great NIL program in place. I don't think this is a flash in the pan. You know, like I said, there's going to be a down year every now and then. Things have to, you know, continue trending in the right direction. I think a win against Ohio State. I don't care if Kyle McCord is gone and people are sitting out. That's a blue blood. And if you go and beat a blue blood in a historic bowl game that everybody's going to be watching, that's going to have a huge audience. I think you you can say this program's back. And now do they stay hungry is the question. Right, right. I am a I I'm not the greatest um citizen as far as current events go. So I don't know the next time Columbia's electing a mayor, uh, but that was Clint's campaign speech. Uh he's kicked it off there with uh with that. So um I, like look in, in all seriousness, um, you know, I it's been kind. Of, it's been a cool year. I've I've gotten to know you a lot better. Missouri fans have gotten been to awesome. see you a lot more because Wingo and and McClellan and all these guys, all this talent, and and you've had a connection. So like, I know we're gonna have a lot of people watching this that that want to know like what's coming up. Where where do they make sure? Like, are you still gonna talk shit with them on Twitter? What what? what oh, yeah. Where are they gonna find you coming up? Man, I tell you what, Missouri's become my Twitter fan. Those are my people. Like, <laughs> if I have nobody to talk to, I know I got I, I have them to talk to. You talk about people have my back when something goes bad to me. Man, that's that's real family right there. So the, yeah, I'm still gonna be them, chopping it them up. Them and Oklahoma fans are they're they're <laughs> your two biggest fan bases. Yeah, yeah, Oklahoma. They absolutely love me. Uh yeah, before <laughs> I only had Wisconsin. Now I got Missouri and Wisconsin to defend me from Oklahoma fans. And uh you know, it has been a really cool year. Like I've obviously, and it's because of the fan base and my interaction with them that I paid such close attention to Missouri, developed such a great relationship with you, Gabe. Like I, this has been a fun year, man. Like it's been really mm -hmm. cool. It's been good. And, uh, and it, it's, it's been fun to like, you know, not be a part of it, but feel like I'm a part of it, you know, like, right. and, and I was at least along for the ride. And, uh, so yeah, I'm still going to be chopping it up with them. I don't know what my next move is. Uh, I, I've got a lot of, a lot of things cooking. So um, I'm gonna sit back, enjoy being a dad. I went to my son's first music class yesterday, and I felt like a bad dad because I didn't, I didn't know the songs, but I was there, <laughs> and that felt good. Hey, that, and um, that's the battle is just being there. Man. Yeah, and so, yeah, so I'm gonna enjoy that for a couple of weeks. But I'm, I'm working on some things, and uh, yeah. I'll stay in touch, Missouri fans. Maybe you'll see more of me. Who knows? All right. Good deal, man. Uh, Clint, parting shots, man. Anything that, that you that you want to say that you didn't uh, didn't have a chance to say here? It's all love. What goes around comes around in the end. Love everybody. And uh, go power Mizzou. Go rivals. All right, guys, that was uh, Clint Cosgrove spent about a half hour with me earlier this afternoon. Uh, look, I know uh, you guys and, and Clint have uh, have kind of had this thing going this year. Uh, Clint's obviously had a lot of good news for you. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that um, before he goes on and, and does whatever's next uh, for him, that you guys had a chance to hear from him. Appreciate Clint uh, doing that with us. Appreciate Drew and Gerard for taking some time out, although I write their checks. They don't have a choice. Clint had a choice and still came on. So uh, podcast rankings, Clint won, Gerard and Drew tied for a second. So um, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Had about 250 people on here tonight, which is pretty good for a Thursday night. If you hung with us to the end of the show, first of all, congratulations. You listened to a, a lot of talk uh, 
from the four of us. So thank you. Do me a favor, hit like, comment, subscribe to the channel. You'll get notifications when we go live. We're going to be going live a lot here. Portal season, bowl season, all that. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, share it on social media. Leave a nice comment. Regardless of what you do, check out our friend James Carlton at carltoninsurance.net. Give him a call at 314-961-4800. Uh, we will have a chamber in the morning. We'll head to Lawrence on Saturday, and we'll talk to you guys next time.